0: Welcome everybody to Drop the Gloves Podcast. I am your host, Charlie. Welcome to a show where we drink beer, talk sports, and have all kinds of shenanigans. And joining me inside the penalty box for this week's episode is my good friend and the godfather to my lovely wife, Rich.
1: Hey! Good evening, everyone. Thanks, Charlie, for the invite. Appreciate it.
0: I'm glad you could make it. And that um, we've already started you out with some pizza and beer before getting into this. But uh, now I've poured you the uh, screwball peanut butter whiskey. How is that, sir?
1: It is delicious. Hopefully my conversation will be as sweet and
0: tasty. (laughs) It is quite dangerous, (laughs) isn't it? Yes, it is. Thank you very much. All right. Well, we got the whiskey. And that ready to talk sports? Let's do it. And that, well, obviously from your outfit today you are a huge cincinnati reds fan so i have a feeling we're going to be talking a lot about cincinnati reds baseball on this episode
1: we are indeed we are so
0: indeed. A real quick question so the audience can get to know you a little bit huge cincinnati reds fan been your whole life
1: or pretty much you know my uh recollection i was just trying to think as i was on my way over here when when was the first time that i really felt like i was a significant reds baseball Mm -hmm. So, uh, around 1970, let me say 1971, 72, we moved from Grantsland, Kentucky to Fort Thomas. And I remember listening that year, 72, I think was a year they either went to the championship, didn't make the world series. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember listening, although to my parent chagrin to reds games up in my room <laughs> uh, much past bedtime
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, so yeah i've been a reds fan for a long time and much of that is a reflection of how i play games you know mm-hmm. we all have different attitudes and approaches to how we i grew up in Pete rose oh so, yeah
0: man. so charlie hustle
1: mentality charlie hustle mm-hmm. that mentality is my idea of the ideal Baseball situation. Okay. Pete Rose kind of being the personification of that. Uh, not particularly athletically gifted, but a bulldog when it came to work and preparation yes. and hustle.
0: Yes, a, a big hard
2: worker.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, so it was one of my happiest days in life was when Pete Rose came back after leaving the Reds and going to Philadelphia. Philadelphia, yeah. Uh, coming back to Cincinnati as a player manager. That was, That was a great day. And, you know, if you go back and check the team, I know there's always a lot of issues about Pete Rose and his gambling and all those various kind of things, but here we are in uh, 2023 and every other advertisement on baseball radio and TV is some kind of related to uh, betting on baseball. Which yeah. Is really kind of yeah, an interest.
0: Yeah. It's interesting where we are right now in terms of, uh, a new reality you never would have thought betting on baseball would be encouraged upon so now that it's kind of uh now that it is legal and everything that you can bet on sports will pete
1: rose eventually make it to the hall of fame i think he'll make it to the hall of Fame. okay um i mean you have to acknowledge the guy he's the hit king yes yes he is uh as far as playing on the field producing on the field you know, in that 1986 team, I think 86 was the year he came back as a player manager. He took a mediocre team. Um, his first ba- his first game back, I think he had two hits. I mean, he just, his attitude, and that's going to kind of be our theme tonight. And, you know, in my evaluation of any ability, uh, success in anything in life, including sports, is your attitude toward it. Are you lackadaisically walking through your work your life your job your marriage or are you giving it your best effort Mm -hmm. and it's pretty easy to look and see where there's mediocre effort where there's maximum effort Mm -hmm. when you hear people talking about um you know taking the extra base um all of those things to me can involve success for anybody Mm -hmm. Uh, if you're willing to put in the time if you're willing to work and trust the Lord for the outcome, I think your, your life's going to be a blessing and you're going to be successful.
0: All right, cool. Um, any other teams in Cincinnati you particularly like to root for or are I you was, just a Reds fan?
1: I was a Cincinnati Royals fan back in the day. Some huh. of my youngest memories are going to um, Cincinnati Gardens and watching the Royals play, and who could ever forget watching Oscar Robinson? I could care less about the NBA when I see pictures in the NBA of a league that basically is not a team game anymore. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, You know, so back in the day I was a Royals fan back in the seventies and eighties. I watched and liked the New York Knicks. Um, Who was their center? Willis Reed, the guy that played with a, with a busted knee in the championship and the world championship game. Again, not your particularly gifted athlete but maximized on effort. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they they went to uh, the NBA championship that year on Willis Reed's bum knee. So uh I'm not an NBA fan. I, I love team sports. I used to be a big college basketball fan, but in my um older years I'm becoming a little less interested in college basketball. Um Again, for reasons of um, overplayed personalities in the game, instead of great coaches. You know, we've got coaches that have seen their days going by, but mm-hmm. because of money and all these various other issues.
0: Are you hinting at
1: Calipari uh, by chance? I would be definitely hinting towards Calipari. <laughs> okay. And uh, several others. You know, and I grew up as a pastor. Um, I was in a pastor's family. I became a pastor, even though that wasn't my plan in life. And, you know, I could see in, in in any profession, people that are hanging on beyond their ability to effectively do a good job. And, um, uh, great there people, there's pastors, people I listen to on the radio now mm-hmm. that should have, have flown off and ridden off into the sunset a long time ago because they're a big name because of monies and money and book endorsements and all these various other things, um, you know, they just they stay out there in the forefront. So, anyway, that's a that's probably more than what you wanted to. Yeah,
0: that's tonight. fine. That's fine. But, what about so, Bengals? You didn't mention them.
1: Big, well, big Bengals fan. Uh, big Ken Anderson Day, uh, eighty-seven Super Bowl was it? Uh, Joe Montana. Yeah. One of the I remember feeling like I had a um, a sword shoved in my heart. Joe Montana (laughs) took the ball down. Uh, But that was really like our first um, claim to fame as far as going to a championship and going to a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, that was the highlight. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, uh, the Bengals are a lot like other sports organizations. You know, we've seen people and personalities. uh, Mm -hmm. For instance, their former coach, you know, when he came, um, initially he did a great job, changed the culture. Yes, he did. But, again, we found that his role, his time, had come to an end, and we just continued. We, we to kept up, to yeah. That. yeah. So, fans, we're fans. Yeah. Uh, we may be stupid in a lot of ways, but we're not. Um, but we know not, when to call out the bullshit. We know when to call out the bullcrap, and we can tell when people have served their time, and they're not, they're not, um. Whatever the reason is, whether it's effort, whether it's attitude, whether it's um, growing out of—I think some coaches grow out of their ability to deal with certain people and personalities.
0: I would agree with that. Uh, Seems like that's what happened with Marvin Lewis. Yeah, he, he just didn't want to put up with it anymore. And...
1: But it was a breath of sunshine when he came. Yes, with his attitude. Yes, when he we're wanted to change co- the culture, we're going to be a winning team. Yes, when he wanted to correct the locker room.
0: And that, and keep those guys in line out off the field. Yeah. That was good. Exactly. But then after a few years, it's just like, I don't well, know. He either took his foot off the pedal there or I don't know, something else happened there.
1: Well, whatever the reason is, we're able to look at it. We're able to make some good observations about either their issues with your ability to manage your coaches or there are issues with your ability to manage your personnel or your ability to manage and cooperate with your staff. Something isn't clicking. Right. Because the play on the field, the attitude on the field seems to point to some kind of problems or issues. So yeah, there were a few years there, last two or three years of Marvin Lewis where it was like being in the dentist office continuously. <laughs> you know it's gonna hurt. Yep. You know it's gonna sting. Yep. But you know, you just try to hang in there and hope for the best.
0: Yep. Who knows? Um, Maybe you'll get to the playoffs and actually win one. Oh, I, wait that didn't happen that's right <laughs>
1: that's right um so yeah things and, and i was not for the first couple of years i was just somebody saw something in zach taylor i didn't see same here um, and uh, definitely uh, but things began to turn around
0: uh that hopefully turning around for the better, let's let's yeah. go. Hopefully three years in a row, North Division champs, let's go f- to the AFC again.
1: Absolutely. Well, and just the whole the whole culture, you would hope that the culture of Cincinnati Reds would make the change and transformation. But where does it begin, Charlie? It begins at the top. It begins at the top. It begins with the person, the people that make the decisions, make the people the the decision. that yep. manage the team. And that's kind of, that's where my focus is. When I see a team that's not playing well, when I see guys making mistakes in the field, and, you know, obviously for you and I, we're just hack players when you give us a glove and a bat and put us out in the field. But when you talk about somebody that's been on the diamond for thousands of games in their life, Mm -hmm. that they can't pick up a ball and and turn a double play, something ain't cooking right.
2: (laughs)
0: All right, so let's get to the Cincinnati Reds, shall we? Let's do it. And uh, so what is your take? They've played a month of baseball now. So what is your takeaway?
1: Well, my takeaway was you and I had this conversation a couple of months ago, maybe more. Uh, Rich, how about coming on my podcast? Well, that gave me a little bit more motivation. I've been doing a lot of work around the house. So what better thing to do, Charlie, when you're working around the house, but to turn on the Reds spring training games? So I listened to a lot of spring training games. I heard a lot of names. And I think that the future for the Cincinnati Reds is bright and beautiful. I think we have a solid minor league program. I think we have some players that if we made decisions based on performance, mm-hmm. would be playing at the major league level right now. But baseball, like other professional sports, is a lot of times determined by, um, you know, what contract terms are, who has, uh, what's the issue that they have uh, when it comes to ability to send folks to the minors, what kind of options they have, Mm -hmm. instead of, hey, who's the best player we got here? And for the Cincinnati Reds right now, there are three, at least three players on their AAA roster. Mm Mm-hmm that deserve, by their spring training performance, to be on the Major League Ball Club. But life is not always fair, is it? No, it is not. So, you know, I was excited to hear them playing a a very aggressive brand of baseball, which for teams that don't have uh, a lot of power, Mm -hmm. um, my approach has always been in baseball and probably everything else, but primarily baseball is that you have to put pressure on the defense. If we're just going to stand at first base, uh, we're not going to put any mental, emotional pressure on the picture. If we're not going to cause a second baseman to look two or three or four different ways, then there's there's not a whole lot of pressure there. Mm-hmm. But when you take an extra step lead at first base, and now with the rule changes and the ability to only throw to first base twice, yeah, things have changed a great deal. Yes, they have. So... You know, as a ball player, um, all you got to do is get this guy to throw over a couple of times, and then it's automatic. Yeah. You had a you had a nice lead. Now it's going to be a huge lead. Yeah. Um, Are you so, in favor of the new rules? I think I like the new rules. I think I like the faster pace.
0: I I, I like the pitch clock a lot. That's... I
1: think I like the limited throwing deferred ba- third first base. Um. Uh, and the bigger base, I, I think I like the changes that they made. I don't think it really um, – I like the shift being gone. Uh, I, I, I
0: was wondering about that because I've had a lot of people on here, my dad and another uh, guy I had on here a uh, couple months ago, both of them do not like the defensive shift. Yeah. They really do not.
1: Yeah, I th- I think, you know <laughs>
0: – they, they don't like that they took it
1: away. They took, stopped, away. took, away the they shift. took yeah. it away, the shift. Well, I get that. I, I understand that. You know, baseball purists are not going to like that. And um, you know, even as an outfielder, Charlie, or an infielder, you move around based on your whether you got a right-handed pitcher or not, or whether he throws fastballs or change ups. You anticipate, and that's the you know, you if you listen to um if you listen to the television personalities in baseball, if you listen to Jeff Brantley enough on the radio. By the way, I was very honked off when I tuned in the other night to listen to Jeff Brantley on WLW, and I got Jim Day. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. Did I really tune in today to listen to Jim Day? (laughs) (laughs) I am a purist. I like having people that have played the game, know the game. And if Marty Brenneman was, he was the people's commentator.
0: Yes, yes, he was.
1: Because he would hold players accountable. if they If he thought they were skipping a beat or taking – some time off he would he'd mention it right there on the air and I like that because we can tell oh yeah we can tell whether you're you're taking a break or not so uh Jeff Brantley is you know he's he's really good at not being highly critical of the players but identifying that hey there you, you might have wanted to run that ball out you might have had a double if you'd have taken a few steps out of the box instead of watching the fly ball so you know there's some Things about even uh, even our commentators um, can observe and see playing on the field. So, yeah, when I turn on the radio and I hear radio broadcaster and Jim Day, who's a TV broadcaster, I'm thinking, hmm, I, I I turned this on to listen to somebody that knows what they're talking about. And I'm very disappointed today.
0: Mm. Well, I'm looking at the yeah. uh batting averages of the roster for the Reds. There's not uh there's only one. One player who's batting over 300 right now and that is Henry uh Ramos, or Ramos right fielder.
1: Well, Ramos is not even playing on the club today. He's already been optioned to awesome.
0: Jeez. So now that makes the whole roster under 300.
1: If you looked at that roster a week or 10 days ago, you would have seen four guys at the top that were over
0: 300. Uh, TJ Friedel is almost 300. He's batting uh, 298. And then followed by Tyler Stevenson, who is uh, um, 286. And then Jonathan India, 281.
1: Well, all three of those guys were hitting over 300 10 days ago. Until they hit their uh, six-game, seven-game losing streak, where there was virtually no offense.
0: I I was looking at that. So the last, uh, yeah, before sweeping the Rangers Mm -hmm. uh, earlier this week, yeah, they lost uh, six. Yeah. What was it? You went 10-0 against the Rays, 8-0 against the Rays. Have a few close games against the Pirates, and then you went 2-1, 2-0. and then what? What would you think of that Rangers series and that sweeping? Is that a good sign? And then maybe for interleague play, or I mean, they're playing Oakland this weekend, so.
1: Well, when Texas came into town, they were the number one team in their division, which is kind of amazing. I think they're in the same division as California Angels, so.
0: I can check that real quick.
1: Um, you know they were. Uh, fourteen and seven or fourteen and six, I think, when they came into town and they left town. Uh, fourteen and nine or fourteen and ten. Fourteen and eleven. Fourteen and eleven. Uh, and uh, yes,
0: Rangers are in the same division as the Astros, Angels, Mariners, and Athletics.
1: Yeah, so they were the first. Pick. And they're
0: tied, tied they, for first, they, the Astros.
1: They were clearly in first place when they came into town, <laughs> and Cincinnati played the brand of baseball that we saw. In spring training, Mm -hmm. we saw them taking the extra base. We saw them putting pressure on the defense. We saw them uh, stealing a base. We saw some decent pitching, Mm -hmm. but not great pitching. And that is, to me, um, your method of play, your approach to the game and how you play it is going to, I think, take a lot of pressure off of green craft Ashcraft, mm-hmm. um, for these guys to throw no hitters in order to get Green goes out and pitches six innings day before yesterday or, or before Texas comes into town, pitches strikes out six or eight, and he ends up a loser. It's like, you know, if you're playing on a team like that where one guy is going out and doing his job, but the other eight guys on the team are not, well, nine, nine on the team now with a designated hitter. Right. I mean, we have, instead of the pitching spot now in the National League, we have a designated hitter. We can go left, right. We can put somebody that's hitting at least 250 in that place where that uh, where that pitcher uh, hit mm-hmm. or placed, and we're not scoring a run. And we're not scoring a run because of the attitude of of your team, your attitude of your manager, perhaps. Um, that you've gone back to this conservative baseball. You can't play the same brand of baseball that you had when Adam Dunn was on the team here. No. And you had three guys or four guys that could come up hit the ball out of the ball. Oh, yes. And you had Ken Griffey Jr. on that team. Jr. This oh, is a yes. scrapping team. This is a steal the base team. This is a keep you nervous on the mound team. And that's what I saw in spring training. And that's why I got so excited about the regular season. I thought, okay, Bell's had five years as manager. He's learned that I don't fit players into my modality of playing, but I fit my modality to the players that I had. And when you look at the uh, lineup that they put on the field this year, Mm -hmm. uh, again, at one point, we're talking about the best hitter on the team theoretically, Tyler Stevenson, bringing up the rear at 260 when your first three hitters in your lineup are hitting over 300. That, when I used to go to Reds game over the last couple of three years, I'd look up there and I'd see the batting averages on the board and they'd beat two or three, four guys up there over 300. And the Reds were 220, 245, nobody even pushing 300. you had three guys to start off the season that were consistently, the club was winning, they're hitting over 300. You're thinking, man, we got it made in the shade here. They're going to let these guys play. And then somebody went to sleep at the wheel. We went back to a kind of a conservative brand of baseball. Hey, dude, you, small ball is a good thing. Yeah. When you got a team that can play small, small ball, yeah. when you got a guy that can get from first to second base, when you got somebody that can steal, then let's do it. Mm-hmm. Let's win okay, we're not gonna be successful on every base, <laughs> every time we get on base. But and Henry Ramos is on I mean if it's not for Henry Ramos during that Texas series, yeah. We probably don't walk off one game probably and not. win another game. Yeah, exactly. Yes. He came in, gave him some life, gave him some spark, mm-hmm. you know, throwing his hands together like Jonathan India. We got a couple of we got a couple of three or four really spark plug type players which we need to let play. Mm. We need to let them play. So what do you think is wrong with
0: the um What what do you think is wrong? What what makes the Reds go from like foot on the pedal, they can play scrappy ball and be aggressive to being conservative, do you think they get too comfortable, or do you think it's a manager or a general manager thing, or something?
1: Well, I think that um, you know, someone said they they said it again this week. Baseball's a baseball's a game that you have to deal with failure a lot, and it sounds it seems to me like that these young players um, are are fighting that battle. Um, They've come up first part of the season they've not had nearly the crushing defeats that they had basically the season was done in May last year I mean when we came out mm-hmm. 3 and 27 the season was done yeah but the first 15 to 20 games of the season this team was playing competitive baseball and you have three starters in Hunter Green um Ashcraft um who's our third Connor Overton, you have three solid young pictures that are going to be around for a long time. So when you look at, when you look at the offense and the pitching that they had, you thought, okay. We're, I think we've got the possibility of a competitive and that's what we're asking for.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we know we're not going to win the world series, but we want a team that'll compete. Yes. We want a team that will represent us. This is a Pete Rose town. We love you to death. Yes. When you give maximum effort.
0: Yes. And uh, and we saw that back in, what was it, 2021? 21. They were uh, fighting, scrapping for that wild card spot, that last wild card spot. And unfortunately, they didn't get it, lost it out to San Diego. Mm-hmm. They choked in the last two, three weeks of the season. I mean, they were in it up until that point. And then since then, I would say, would you agree it's management or ownership that was like, okay, let's scrap and go almost bare bones here
1: well, I, on the on the roster? You know, we're probably, uh, probably getting into a lot of things that would take a lot smarter people than you and I to try to figure out. Well,
0: I mean, we're fans, like you said. Uh, we yeah. are fans, but I mean... Can we call bull crap on Phil Castellini and what he's done to this team?
1: No, I'm not going to blame Castellini for it because Castellini's a businessman, he's not a baseball player and you know, and other people have said this as well. I believe that his heart is that he wants to win. Uh but he's also um, but you said he's very business minded. I feels like he runs
0: this team like it's a business
1: well, you know it it is kind of a business um it is you know, to a point,
0: but you've got to be competitive mm, too
1: I think so and but he's a lot like uh, Donald Trump was when he got into office. Mm. You know um Donald Trump is probably one of the most talented businessmen in the history of the world. Um, he's built a financial empire that is probably second to none. He's managed it well. He's created tremendous revenue from, and you know, he's probably been through the ups and downs of that business. But first and foremost, what got him there and enabled him to be who he was was he was a good businessman. Phil Castellini has been in the produce business uh, for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's thrown a lot of tomatoes and cabbage and lettuce around in a warehouse. And saw people that did,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so he earned the right to be able to when he had the when he had the opportunity. He earned the right to become the majority owner or other owners in the Cincinnati Reds. He's just the the face that we see. He's the one that gets all the blame when they don't do things correctly. But he's not a baseball man, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, who in your mind, when you think of people that have been involved in the Reds? system either as a general manager or a manager who do you think are good baseball people
0: like guys who have come before david bell and the current manager when
1: david bell was named manager of the cincinnati reds i I just have to be frank with you i had never heard of david bell
0: i I never heard of him either so just
1: based on your recollection last 20 years who in the Reds organization or as a manager would be what you call a good baseball man?
0: The first guy that comes off
1: the top of my head is Dusty Baker. Of course, Dusty Baker, Dusty, top of the list. Yes. Team had consistent success, right? Yes. As far as being able to motivate players from the $20 million Joey Votto to the $536,000 Newman at shortstop. He was able to bring all these different heads together and do something. To me, that's a good baseball man. Mm -hmm. Um, Even Jack McKeon. Jack McKeon had a great reputation as a baseball man. Um, Phil Castellini and the Castellini family are not baseball people, but they're great fans, and they want to win. But they rely on other people. They evaluate the skills and talents of other people to um, evaluate talent, to determine attitudes of players. And, excuse me, that big selection, that big choice as to who manages your team, that's something we've been dealing with now for five years. Mm -hmm. So you, you just ask yourself the question, do the inventory on the last five years and what has been the outcome and the result?
0: Well, i mean in those past five years you had a team that was a contender again i mean you 20 team
1: that was a contender you
0: had a team that was a contender in in those last five years but after that year like you said we went three and 22 or something and well
1: my boss does not accept from me one out of five weeks of, of good work showing up for work on time doing a good job and uh, there is a sense of success at what you do now let me just say this i am I've determined to be patient with Nick Craw, because I think he has a better chance, a better shot at doing something that's not been done here the last few years. And that is continuing to bring in talent, to evaluate talent based on his budget restrictions and <clears throat> put on the field, a competitive team. Mm-hmm. So, uh, court's still out on here. Okay. But in every profession, it's about, especially in sports, mm-hmm. it's about, well, did you have some success? Or do you have a plan for success? If you've had three years of failure, what's your, what's your plan for success? So, you know, in the case of the Reds, um, last year was a horrible year for us. But... This year, we see the benefit of players that came into our system. Our minor league system now is considered, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, do some research on this, but the Cincinnati Reds minor league system, if I heard Jeff Brantley correctly, is third in the country.
0: It's in the top five. Yes, it is.
1: Our minor league system is number three What's is it because we have suddenly become better developers or player personnel or is it because we injected it with players from the trades that we painful trades that we made last year and this year instead of praying that somebody is good enough to make it to the majors we have players that are fighting to get to the majors and they're good players good players um McLean is the one that impressed me this year during spring training. I mean, if there was anybody that Jeff Brantley had good things to say about consistently when he came up to the plate, it was McLean. Mm -hmm. McLean's in the minor leagues right now. Okay. Uh, Everybody talks about Ellie De De La Cruz. Uh, The only thing that's going to keep him from getting here is a broken leg. The guy is a gamer. He's a hustler. He's talented. and He can crush the ball a mile. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and... He's, he showed us some stuff in spring training. You know, he started off slow, but by the end of spring training, that's why from a fan standpoint, you know, ideally, uh, we're made up of, we like justice. Yeah. What a player does well, you know, I'm, I'm looking up here on the board. I don't know David Past Pasternak mm-hmm. of the Boston Bruins. But that guy did well at what he did. Mm-hmm. And in baseball, you would hope that that's also the case. A guy comes up in spring training, and now they've we've heard these guys say this, uh, commentators and color personalities numerous times, that spring training used to be where ballplayers got in shape. Now they're in shape before they get there. So there is a certain measure of failure that you might expect at spring training but for the most part, those players are ready to pitch and they're ready to play. And if they have a good spring season, then they should be on the Major League roster. Now, um, and McLean, so when I saw that, you know, I like a lot of Reds fans. It's like back to the same old measure. Mm-hmm. Contract length, who has options instead of One of these days, Charlie, wouldn't you just love to hear a Reds player say, I don't care what your contract is and I don't care what your options are. We're putting the best 25 guys we've got in our system out to play every day and we're going to play like mad dogs.
0: Every Cincinnati (laughs) Reds fan wants
1: to hear that. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So, you know, just from my idealistic standpoint, you know, if – if we as fans could just see and hear that kind of attitude on the field, we'll we'll, we'll put up with a lot of stuff. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, the last three games being the exception, um, the Reds have, I think they have exceeded expectations. Um, I think they're doing better than, excuse me, they were expected to do. And, um, you know, again, we kind of see players that start off the season with a bang. And uh, Jeff Brantley, again, I mentioned his name a lot, but I really enjoy his uh, knowledge, his insight, his understanding about how the game's played. It's Uh about adjustments. Uh, Vossler, when he came up, when the season started with Vossler playing first base, I said, who cares about Joey Votto? this guy's going to hit a home run every other game or every third game, play the kind of first base he's playing, you can stay down and rehab as long as you want to, (laughs) Joe. But uh, Vossler's also been released and reassigned to Louisville as of yesterday. Okay. So he started off hot and strong, um, but pitchers made adjustments, and he hasn't been able to deal effectively with those adjustments. Will Meyer, you know, I understand he's on the injured list uh retroactive to wednesday of last week um i can't remember who they brought up Uh, henry ramos they sent back to louisville Uh, again he was the spark of the texas series i mean if you go back and look you're going to find henry ramos's name somewhere Mm -hmm. uh either scoring from second or stealing a base uh or getting a a base hit to win a game Mm -hmm. um you know, when you come up and you perform like that, to my way of thinking, you need to stay up. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> agree. So, just imagine you're Henry Ramos. You came up to the big show, you scored the winning run in a walk-off game, and you just got demoted to Louisville. That yeah,
0: I I wouldn't know where to begin on what to feel and what to think after that.
1: Well, and the, I think as long as there's a as long as there's a plan in place and as long as you do a good job explaining that to a player, but, you know, the spark is what I'm looking for. What was that they used to call the uh, after game show with Spark Anderson, the main spark or whatever. Um, that's uh, that's what we saw in the Texas series again. Uh, they were like on uh, life support for the six games. And how many did they lose in Pittsburgh? Four. Straight, four in Pittsburgh. Yep. Now you know a couple of those were one-run ball games, and I really do like it that the Reds are not getting their butts kicked. I like it that they're competitive, that they're in games. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably uh, like you when they were down six to one the other night or seven to one, whatever it was. I turned the game on, and I turned it back on later that night to find out. <laughs> That they were—they uh, scored six runs in the eighth inning, and yeah. they beat those guys. Yes, they did. So those are nice surprises.
0: Reds are currently uh, 10 wins, 15 losses. Their mm-hmm. uh, winning percentage is 400. Seven and a half games back from first, only a half game ahead of the Cardinals. And who would have ever thought the Pittsburgh Pirates would be in first place right now in the Central?
1: Well, have you seen the – did you get get to see any of the games with the Pittsburgh No,
0: I did not see any of the games.
1: Um, Obviously, I watched opening day. Uh, I was in Florida visiting in-laws the week following opening day. So I saw um, – I'm too cheap to have uh, MLB on my phone. (laughs) uh, uh, That's fine. (laughs) My father-in-law has – Uh, He's got a TV package that includes the Valley Sports. So we've watched every game they played against Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh has a good ball team. And they have a better ball team with Andrew, kick your Reds, butt McCutcheon. Mm -hmm. When they got McCutcheon back, McCutcheon's got the Mm. eye of the tiger. Oh, yeah, he does. You need players Mm -hmm. on your team that have the eye of the tiger. So Mm. Uh,
0: McCutcheon is... I mean, when he came back, one, that's a homecoming. It's kind of like the same thing with, like, Sean Casey. and uh, Everybody wanted Sean Casey to go back to Pittsburgh in that one year or something after he was here with the Reds for so long. And it's just like, yeah, when you get a player like that back and he still has that mentality of, hey, I love it here. I don't care what the scoreboard says at the end of the game. I don't care what our record is. I just love being here. I love playing in front of the fans and I'm going to give it my all. It's like, that's what we want out of, out of the these Cincinnati players. And that we need those players who come in here and go, yeah, it's Cincinnati, but at least I'm here yeah. and not in Louisville or Chattanooga yeah. or Dayton or something.
1: Well, Cincinnati played Pittsburgh well in that opening series. And, and, Um, You know, when teams come to town that play the kind of game that you want your team to play, Pittsburgh plays my kind of game. uh, And they're managed by an aggressive manager. Mm -hmm. So you put those things together. You put a a pretty talented group of players. You add uh, maturity as a veteran player with a guy like Andrew McCutcheon. You throw him into the lineup. Excuse me, it seemed like they had a – a catcher that uh, was outstanding as well had a great arm, a second base that really kind of um, slowed the Reds running game down a little bit. So Pittsburgh has got a good team this year. I don't know that they're going to win our division, but um, they, they've got a much better team than they had last year. They've got some good pitching. They got a good bullpen. Um, Pittsburgh may surprise a bunch of people.
0: Could be. So, we're almost out of time here uh but so what do we what should we be looking forward to and uh, for the Cincinnati Reds or for the rest of the season of baseball here
1: I think that we are going to have a um, a bit of a topsy turvy season a bit of a uh Jekyll and Hyde kind of season I think they're going to be uh, a series of games where this team plays well uh but again they're going to be a, some games where they don't play so well and for me uh, the the factor that determines that is going to be the attitude of the guy that sits on the bench and bench and calls the shots mm-hmm. um i would love to see you know your method of teaching um and i've not been a quote teacher but i have been um some of my assignments have been teaching people and uh you know in the roles that i have had in Uh, My brother's a superintendent, you know, he was a principal a teacher and uh, we will often have discussions about, do you want to maximize the material that you give your students and have them regurgitate it to you? Or do you want to take each student and say, what can I do to make them successful? Uh, And what approach can I have? So, that to me, uh, Bell to me represents a, a um, pretty conservative approach to managing a team on the field. Probably super knowledgeable guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously knows more about baseball than I will ever know. But in a Pete Rose town with Pete Rose fans, we have to have a manager of a team that manages it like Pete Rose. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm hoping and praying that uh, he will look more at what he has than trying to make what he has fit into his idea of how the team should perform on the field. I think this is a team that um, needs to push the envelope. I think this is a team that needs to make the defense nervous and needs to make pitchers nervous. I think it's a team that needs to draw two throws over to first base, and if you don't, I'm going. And you've got some speed. You've got at least two, maybe three guys on this team, uh, Friedel, uh, Fraley, um, at least those two. I'm thinking there's probably a third steer that are fast guys.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you remember what it was like when Joe Morgan got on the on first base back in the glory days of the Cincinnati Reds.
0: I wouldn't know. I wasn't there.
1: <laughs> in the glory days of the Cincinnati Reds, um, in the World Series years, 75, 76, all those years that when Joe Morgan got on first base, you knew if he wanted to take second base, he was going to steal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> That's the kind of, we need to have, two players or three players on this team that when they get on first base and they do have to get on first base
2: mm-hmm.
1: um they do have to be selective hitters um that it's it's going to give them that mental advantage they need to stay competitive um then i'll just close with this uh, final statement i was listening to again jeff brantley who i thoroughly enjoy listening to um Talk about a player, they do this um, trivia thing uh, during a ball game. And I'm trying to remember, Arthur Rhodes was the answer to the trivia question. Hmm. Uh, Arthur Rhodes was a a relief pitcher that pitched for the Reds for a couple of years back in the day. I think Brantley and Brantley played on the same team when Jeff Brantley was here. And he was talking about the kind of person Arthur Rhodes, believe it or not, stayed in Major League Baseball for 20 years as a relief pitcher. And he said that he was a great guy to have on the team. Number one, as a good relief pitcher, somebody was going to give you his best shot every time he went out on the mound. But he said that he was a hold you accountable presence on the bench. Mm. Now you can have managers excuse me, function in their role and their responsibility, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. You expect a manager to hold you accountable. But Mm -hmm. when a pitcher, you know, who you don't want to hurt your hand or arm, notices that you didn't run out, ground ball to first base, and tells you, I don't want to see that again. (laughs) With the awareness that if you do that again, we're going to meet outside and we're going to have a a man-to-man kind of visit. (laughs) He said... Um, the Reds need somebody like Arthur Rhodes on their team, which... somebody's going to keep the whole team accountable. Somebody that's going to keep the team accountable. And really, in your personal evaluation of who that person might be, who do you think that could be on the Reds team?
0: If he was on the roster right now, that'd be Vado.
1: That is correct. So, you know, I think from the standpoint of... I don't think we're living in a vacuum. I think a lot of people know that that bench accountability goes a long way in a game of baseball. And the person that's going to be respected and listened to on the Reds roster right now is probably somebody like Joey Votto. He's been there. Um, He's been successful. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, in recent years, he continues to be successful at what he does. Um, Other players have benefited from his to the game so if anybody has the moxie and anybody is long in the tooth it could be an Arthur Rhodes on the Reds team it could be Joey Botto but I think that uh, and again uh, I don't follow him enough uh, and I'm not focused on his personality enough to really know for sure um, you know what his approach to that kind of assignment would be but if the Reds continue to scrap and if somebody like Joey Votto uh, assumes the responsibility of keeping some of these uh, players that are extremely gifted, mm-hmm. but not maybe as accountable and as they should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he steps up the plate and fulfills that responsibility and David Bell lets this team play like they're capable of playing, I think we should, we could be having some interesting things to talk about in June or July.
0: Hopefully not a, uh, season where we go, oh gosh, it's after the all-star break. Finally. <laughs> Hopefully not. Well, Rich, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you uh being on. You uh were full of so much insight. Oh bless my God. And, uh, and I'm I really hope our listeners enjoyed uh hearing what you had to say. So I'm gonna close it out here. Uh so for all you guys listening that's gonna do it for us in the penalty box for episode one seventeen. I would again like to thank my uh, guest, uh, Rich, for coming on. Uh, had fun. It was awesome to yeah, listen to yeah, you yeah. and hear what you had to say about your favorite Cincinnati Reds Guess team. Yes, I mean go Reds. And uh, so, guys, go ahead and uh, be sure to follow the show on Instagram at uh, Drop the Gloves Podcast. All lowercase, all one word. We are on uh, Spotify, which is our hosting platform. Thank you, Spotify, for 117 episodes. We are also on Apple, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and Google. I am your host, Charlie, and we will see you guys next time in the penalty box.